Well, I may use that clip every year just because uh, I like to be able to say Holy Ghost Weenie Roast in, in church, so that's pretty good. Uh, this Tuesday will be our, our trunk or treat here at Wallula Christian Church. Uh, right now, uh, well, last year I think we had about 20 cars participate as trunks in the trunk or treat, and right now we need uh, maybe five or six trunks to get to that level again this year, and so uh, if you haven't signed up yet to participate in that, we'd love your help. Uh, in that you can you can register your car and uh, your trunk and at the uh, at the table just through these middle doors in the foyer. There's a little box there and just fill out the registration. So let Katie know is the main thing. So um, you know fill that out and drop it in the box is, is easy. Or or tell Katie that you're going to be there and and uh, it, it's kind of fun. You can go as as uh, extravagant as you want in decorating your trunk. You can you can pop your trunk and say Happy Halloween and pass out candy. The, the kids will probably not uh, refuse your candy if your trunk's not overly decorated, all right? But uh, come out, and it's, it's just a great way. Hey, listen, every family that goes through uh, that trunk or treat is going to receive an invitation uh, from Wallula to worship with us. And so it, it's, a, it's an easy way to kind of reach into the community a little bit, provide a safe place for families to bring their kids and participate in that and, and be invited. Uh, maybe families that otherwise wouldn't uh, come on campus here at Wallula Christian Church will to, uh, to participate in that, and they'll be invited to worship with us. So just kind of an easy way to do that, uh, to reach out in the community and, and share what's going on here. And so if you're available Tuesday evening, uh, maybe you don't have little kids anymore, you don't have to walk through the neighborhood or be at home or whatever, then, then just come hang out. It's, it's sort of fun and uh, kind of neat to, to see the little kids come through and, and participate in that way. I also hear once in a while from families that, hey, you know, I, I don't feel like I, I can meet everybody that maybe attends 9 o'clock worship and I go in 1030 and, or vice versa and I can't connect with everybody. Well, there's a couple great ways to, to make that a little bit more possible. One way is, is our small group ministry here at Wallula Christian Church. I encourage you to participate in that. But another way is our events like the Trunk or Treat where we're going to get together as sort of a church family and do this. And it's a, it's a good way uh, to uh, be able to talk with, you know, that trunk next to you, right? And, uh, and get to know them a little bit. So it's a great way to do that. Bring your kids. If you've got little kids, bring them out and, and, uh, and participate in that event. It, it's sort of fun. We're wrapping up our series that we've called Simply Heaven. We've been taking a look at this new uh, heaven, new earth, this new city uh, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and, and uh, excited for uh, the conclusion of this series this morning. I walk out to the mailbox, uh, you know, once in a while, and, and whenever I do at my house anymore, I pull out of it something that looks like this. I've got a, I've got a son who's a junior in high school and a daughter who's a sophomore in high school, so almost every day there's one of these silly little flyers, these pamphlets from uh, promotional materials from different colleges, you know, and, and my son's a little weird, so he collects these. I don't know if he thinks he can cash them in later or what, but there's all these different promotional materials. This is just some of them. I put, you know, mostly they're from schools around this area. I did put in one from the University of Southern California just for Marine. Yep, that's just for you. It, 
and to scare his mother just a little bit, right? So we'll, we'll add that in. And, and so there's all these, all these flyers, all these promotional materials. And the truth is, they all look about the same. You know, they, they say the same thing. Hey, come to our school and you'll be surrounded by people who are always happy because everybody on these, in these materials are happy, right? Come to our school. Oh, and by the way, you'll be surrounded only by pretty people, right? Because you know, there's only pretty people on these promotional materials. This isn't always true in real life. Just look, never mind. So, right, you'll only be surrounded by pretty people. Come to our school and you'll be on this wonderful campus. Look, I love college campuses. I think they're so cool. You know, they're sort of historic and new all at the same time. And it's just a great place. I just feel like this is sort of an, an idyllic place whenever I'm on a college campus. You know, I just, I, I love them. But, you know, the pictures in these, you know, the trees are always, the leaves are changing color, but the leaves are never falling in these promotional materials. You know, it's just this wonderful setting all the time. Our classes are all small. Our sports team, our athletic teams are all victorious, right? The professors are all eager to meet you and discuss their, their uh, learning opportunities that they have for you. Just come and, and this place will be this wonderful environment for you to launch your life. It's going to be this great and wonderful place and life will be just so, I, I, I look through these promotional materials and I want to go back to school, or at least I really like the idea of going back to school. I'm at a different stage in my life than my son, though, and so I occasionally find myself being drawn into the AARP commercials, right? You, you ever watch those and you just think, oh man, there, there's life. All, you know, 20, 25 years, it's, it's coming in a hurry and all I need is that phone with the big buttons and life's going to be just perfect. It's going to be okay. You know, and, and so it, you remember as a kid though, don't you? If you were in grade school, you couldn't wait to get to middle school. Then life would be, you'd get to change classrooms. You'd have different teachers. Things were going to be just so great. And then you got to middle school and you realized, man, this isn't what I thought. And you couldn't wait to get to high school. High school, everything will be better. And you get to high school and you think, I've just got to get to that next. I've got to get to the, the military or I've got to get to, the, the, to college. And you get to college and you just can't wait to graduate and have a job and really start contributing to society. And life is going to be tremendous then. And then you find yourself as a 43-year-old preacher with a junior in high school, and you're thinking, I need that big button phone, right? Then life, then life will be great. Then it'll be super. And we're just always kind of waiting and looking for when life is at its best. Now, that's a tremendous thing about life in heaven. We know absolutely that it'll be at its best. We know that absolutely that that life eternal begins right now and we can experience just a little bit of that. But man, we can know so much more about what life in heaven might be like and that's what we wanna try to do this morning is just have that conversation as we explore Revelation chapter 21. We're gonna begin in verse 22 and we're gonna work our way through Revelation chapter 22 verse six. Revelation chapter 21, and begin in verse 22, and we're going to work our way through Revelation chapter 22, verse 6. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to Revelation chapter 21 at the very end of the book, beginning with verse 22. This is what God's Word says. 
I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations." No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Well, so I think this section of, of Scripture, it has so much truth in it. I think oh, I want to focus on two truths that I think this section of Scripture teaches. The first truth is that heaven is absolutely pure. Heaven is absolutely pure. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Well, last week we, we, we did our best, and I know I failed miserably, but I did my best to describe you know, how Revelation 21 describes that great new city and how beautiful it will be and how big it'll be and how there's plenty of room for each one of us there and and how awesome just that and spectacular that city will be and and we sort of fail we run out of words we run out of stuff to describe how awesome will be there's not enough precious jewels there's not enough gold to sort of describe how cool that city will what it will look like and how cool it'll be and 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 i suppose the same thing can be true about life in that city it's hard to describe what it'll be like and so I, I suppose that's why we begin in verse 22 with saying what won't be there. You know, we've already talked a little bit about it in verse 4 in Revelation 21. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And, and I suppose uh, maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, it, it just... It's, it's logical that if there's no more crying, there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more death, that there would be, then in verse 22, no more church, right? There's no temple. There's no temple in the new city. And there's no temple in the new city because all that stuff is gone, at least for one of the reasons. All that stuff is gone. There's no more pain. There's no more hurt. There's no more crying. There's no more death. If you sort of think about why the, why the temple, why the church, if we think of it in those terms, why does the church exist? Well, I think of a story that's told in, in Matthew chapter 9. It, it, it begins around verse 8 or so and, and goes through verse 13. And it's a story about Jesus calling one of his disciples, a guy by the name of Matthew. You remember Matthew? He, was, he, you know, he wrote the book of Matthew, right? He was one of the disciples. He followed Jesus. Before he followed Jesus, he was a tax collector. And you, what you need to understand about tax collectors in, in the first century is that they, they essentially, you boil it down, and the reason people didn't like them, first of all, they collected taxes. But secondly, they cheated people to earn their living. 
They, they charged people more in taxes than was necessary so that the tax collectors, because they could keep the extra, they could live a more extravagant life. They could become more wealthy on the backs of their neighbors, their countrymen. And so they were, they were considered scandalous and sinners. And it's that guy that Jesus calls to be one of his 12 closest followers. Hey, come follow me, Matthew. And to his credit, he leaves that tax collection booth. He says, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm following after you, Jesus. And in fact, that very night, or at least so it seems from the story in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew says, I want to throw a party because, Jesus, I want my friends to meet you. And so Jesus says, that sounds great. And they have this dinner party at Matthew's house and all his friends come. Now, understand that, hey, it wasn't anybody from the synagogue down the road that was showing up at Matthew's house for this dinner party. It was other tax collectors and people that were sort of on the outside of those religious circles looking in who had that, received that invitation to Matthew's party. And Jesus ate, and he, he celebrated with them, and, and he met Matthew's friends. And the religious leaders looked at that uh, invitation list, and they said, Jesus, how can you eat with these sinners and tax collectors? And this was Jesus' response in, in Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 12. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. For sure, that's why Wallula Christian Church exists. To equip and transform. And we're not here primarily for, for folks who already know Jesus, but for folks who are on the outside looking in to that relationship. The church exists not for the healthy, but for the sick. I mean, by the way, uh, no matter how healthy any of us in this room are, man, we, we know that we are in that same boat, that we have that same desperate need for uh, a Savior, that, we, that we're sick enough, right? <laughs> but that's why the church exists. And I think that's one of the, the reasons that I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We're in the very presence of God. Everything is absolutely pure. The city does not need a sun or a moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives, gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. You know, I don't suppose that, that what we ought to take from verse 23 here in chapter 21 is that there won't be any photosynthesis in heaven. You know, I, I don't know as if that's the deal. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there won't be a sun. Maybe there won't be a star in, the, in space somewhere giving us warmth and all the stuff we need to survive. Maybe that won't be so. But I don't think that's what we have to take away from this. I think what the main point is, is that we're in the very presence of Jesus. Have you just ever been, you met somebody that you just really wanted to meet and you were just so excited to be there. I, I've got a friend who went to this concert and they were, they got so close to the lead singer of the band. They were so excited to be there. They met him in his shiny coat and I'm like, that's weird, but okay, if you're excited, I'm excited. That's awesome. I remember lots of years ago, my, my daughter, uh, Lacey, will sometimes use this as sort of to 
pick on her brother because, you know, my kids were really little and we went to this restaurant on the plaza. George Brett used to have this restaurant and he named it George Brett's because he's very creative. And, and so we went to this restaurant one day for, a, for lunch or whatever and we're eating and sitting there and into the restaurant walks George Brett. You know, now I'm instantly a nine-year-old kid again, like flop sweats. I'm nervous. You know, but man, George Brett's right there. And, and I, but I don't want to be that guy like, hey, George, I really like you. And so I, you know, so I was the other guy. Kids, we're going to go meet George Brett. I'm taking my kids up to meet him, right? They're like four and five. They have no idea who George Brett is. They could care less. Oh, but they really want to meet him. Okay, come on. Come on, kids. And so we go up, and he's very nice, right? And he talks, and and, uh, and to us for a while, and he puts his hand on Lacey, my daughter's head. And every once in a while, when she gets mad at her brother, she'll say, uh, remember when we went to eat at George Brett's? No, you were too small to remember. You don't have any idea about, anyway. She'll say, George Brett put his hand on my head, and that's why dad loves me more. You know, she's just a little bit right about that. You know, it's not really, it's not that true. But you, you meet somebody and you're just like, oh, this is so cool just to be close to this person. Well, this is where it's just a ridiculous comparison, isn't it? I mean, it's stupid to use that story as an illustration. You're face to face in the very presence of the creator, sustainer, redeemer. I don't, I don't know how to describe what that'll be like. I suppose as good a description as any is to say there'll be no need for a sun. There'll be no need for a moon because the glory of God will provide the light. Everything is absolutely pure. We're in the very presence of Jesus. Verse 24 goes on to say that the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. You know, this won't be a boring place. We, sometimes we, we think of uh, this absolutely pure place. Well, come on. I mean, what are we going to be doing if it's absolutely pure, right? I mean, I think of, I think of the, the Middle Ages and these monks who decided, you know, we can't sin anymore. And so what they did is they'd move to faraway places. Sometimes they'd even, they'd build literal towers because they wanted to be a, as far away from anybody or anything else that might tempt them or cause them to sin. And so they'd get as far away as they could. They removed themselves as far away from the world, right, so that they could be pure. And, and sometimes I think that that's a little bit of the idea we get with heaven. Well, if it's absolutely pure, it's got to be just fluffy clouds and harps. But that's not the description we read. I mean, we read a city teeming with life. There's folks coming in. The, you know, every leader of every nation is bringing their splendor, everything. You know, to me, that, that, that describes the good stuff that we enjoy, that we participate in, the good stuff that makes life worth living in this world is surely going to be present in that new city. It's all focused, though, a little differently, huh? Because those leaders, they come in and they, they bring all their splendor of their nations in because they're centered and focused only on Jesus. We're in the presence of that creator, sustainer, redeemer. God. Everything is pure. 
Everything's pure. On no days will its gates ever be shut. Because even though it's, it's exciting, even though it's a, an eventful place to be with, with so much to do and so many people to meet, it's a, a place that's absolutely pure and safe. You, you close the city gates in order to keep the bad guys out, right? There's no more night because it's at night that the bad stuff happens. My son went to stay at a friend's house last night, just last night, and he's leaving the house, and I, you know, my daughter was staying with somebody, and they, they sort of had this little, they'd been pulling pranks on each other, and I, I told my son before he left, look, don't get arrested, and don't cause any property damage, right? I mean, bad stuff happens at night. Uh, everybody's mom told them that, you know, behave. And that's the idea here. When night goes away, then that bad stuff goes away. Everything is perfectly pure. The glory and the honors of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure, verse 27 says, will ever enter into it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. Now hold on just a second, right? Everything's pure. Nothing impure is getting in. Nobody who does anything, nobody who does anything, shameful or deceitful, is entering this city. Now that's both really great news and really bad news, sort of all at the same time. Because it describes how wonderful this place is. It describes a little bit for us how awesome this life will be that experience, what it'll be like. But it also, you know, precludes guys like me. You know, I imagine someday, there, there, I don't imagine, I know from reading scripture that there'll be a judgment day, and, and I don't imagine I know what that day will be like. I, you know, it, 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 can, it can cause you to worry, right? I mean, if it's somebody reading every account of your life that was deceitful or shameful, and that's not a good deal, at least for me. You know, that will cause you some anxiety. You know, there'll be all kinds of reasons on that list to keep Lance out. So what's the good news? Well, it's the end of verse 27. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, I, I can't be absolutely pure on my own. I can't. I haven't been. I won't be on my own. I'll be excluded, kept outside of that open gate of that new city, except that I am so confident that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I've said yes to receiving Jesus as Savior. I've acknowledged that he is God's Son that he died on that cross, that he was buried in the grave, that he rose on the third day, that he's promising to return because he's alive at the right hand of the Father. And it's just that simple acknowledgement and chasing after him in relationship with him that writes, puts my name on that list. Just recently, my daughter went to homecoming, the homecoming dance at their high school, and she went with a group of friends, and one of those friends was from a different high school, and she said, hey, my friend is going to come with us to this dance, and I said, why does she want to do that? 
You know, it's not her school. It just seems so weird to me. But she said, no, she said she would. And I said, are you sure she's going to the dance? And she said, yes, her name is on the list. If you have outside friends that are coming to this dance, you have to have them approved by the administration, and they write their names on the list, and then there's this checklist to get into the dance. And she's, my daughter was so confident that she would come because her name was on the list. I don't know what that day of judgment might be like. And even if they read the list of all the deceitful and shameful things that I've done, and there's a crowd outside listening, and they're saying, yep, keep him out. There's no chance he gets in. The gates are open for even a guy like me. Only, only because my name's on the list. Only because your name's on the list. Everything's made pure. Everything's made pure. Those sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb by the grace and forgiveness that he offers. The first truth about life in this new city is that everything is pure. The second truth, the second truth is that heaven is life eternal. Chapter 22, verse one says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and uh, of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That's a pretty cool description. I, we were in small group just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the first week of this study, and we, we talked about the fact that, you know, chapter 21 describes heaven without a sea. My, my wife, she loves the water. She loves the lake and the ocean and the beach, and, you know, she was a swimmer and diver. She loves all that stuff. She loves to be in the water and all that, you know, the sports that surround that. She, she loves all that stuff. She said, are you serious that there won't be water in heaven? I said, well, there's a river. I know there's a river. You know, it'll be okay. You can go play in the river. It'll be all right. There's this water, and, and, and I suppose that when we read about this river, you know, we can read that in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes, you know, this flowing water describes the Holy Spirit, and I think it's okay to think of this river as the Holy Spirit just always providing new life in that new city. Oh, maybe for uh, the reader in the first century, you know, if you can imagine being a person that had to worry about where you were going to find clean enough water to be able to drink and live, that you were sort of always on the lookout for that, to have this eternal source of this clean and pure, everything is absolutely pure, of this rushing river running literally down the middle of Main Street must have been such a reassuring an awesome thought that life eternal would be provided, that there'd be the sustenance for life. I think perhaps the biggest point is that the source of this river, you know, the, the Ezekiel talked about it in, verse, in chapter 47, the first 12 verses, and when he saw this vision, remember that's one of the foundational passages for Revelation 21 and 22, and when he saw the vision he had of this new temple, there was a river that ran underneath it, and it ran all the way to the Dead Sea, and it brought life back to those waters. You know, this river that offers life because its source 
is God himself. And that source really matters. You know, I have a bottle of water uh, with me. That last week, uh, some of us distributed these at, at the, this race in Leavenworth, Hustle for hunger, hunger. We talked a little bit about that last week. And, and so we, we've done that at different places and different events through the years. And, and uh, you know, we just, we, we buy some water, we peel off their label, and we put a new label on it, right? That's, that's all we do. Uh, it got me thinking about bottled water, though, and some of the claims that are made uh, by these different labels. One brand says that it's extremely pure and distinctly different. Another brand says it's pure as the driven snow. And finally, another claims its product resonates with the energy and frequency of well-being. I'm not sure what that means other than it's water, Right? I mean, there's a study done that says this large percentage of bottled water is tap water that's ran through a filter and put in a bottle. Here you go. And, and so we make these claims on bottled water. In fact, one year we had this scripture reference printed. It said, uh, water of life, Revelation chapter 22, verse 2, whatever. And I thought, well, that's a pretty bold claim, that this water, it, you know, that's not what we meant, right? But we just put our website on it this year. Uh, you, you make these big claims on this water, and what's, why do we do that? Because we know that the source kind of matters, don't, doesn't it? And the source of, of this river in heaven is God himself and, and uh, providing us with life eternal. Uh, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. You go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you read about these trees in, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. And one of those trees was the tree of life. And, and one of the problems with being booted out of that garden, out of paradise, is the lack of access to the tree of life and the curse that follows and there's no more death, though. That old order of things has gone away. In fact, it's been made so new and so uh, uh, plentiful that there are two trees on either side of that river running down the middle of Main Street in the new city, providing fruit every month so we can continue to grow and we can continue to know him. Life eternal provided for us. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and the servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. You know, I, I told that story that, hey, I told my son, don't get arrested, don't break anything. And, and, you know, when he left the house and somebody said, well, I told my son, I used to tell my son the same thing. And then one day he came home with a tattoo. I forgot to tell him no tattoos. You know, you, this name on our forehead, are we all happy? Really? And, and the point is that we're in this relationship that is so personal and so meaningful. We're, we're in his very presence. There's no longer sort of this curtain or this cloud that kind of separates us. Sometimes when we pray to God, man, we really feel like we're getting through. We really feel like we're talking with him. We can hear him. We can tell that he's responding. And sometimes if we're honest, we don't. And there won't be any more of that for sure. Everything is pure. Life eternal in the very presence of God. So close to him, it's like his name is tattooed on our forehead. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever 
and ever. Did you listen to that language? They will reign forever and ever. I know it's mixed with this, this same language of worship and service, but to reign, we're made fellow heirs, life eternal. And how awesome is that? You, you look at these promotional uh, brochures about college, and uh, you know, you, there are only the great things that happen. Uh, you know, there's, there's never any picture of the, of the student that's just freaking out, that's just worried sick about the test the next day. There's no picture of the, of the young man or the young lady sitting in the, the financial aid office worried about how they're going to pay for the next semesters of college. There's no, there's no picture of the relationship that's broken and the heartache that they're trying to navigate as a young person kind of alone for the first time. There's no picture of that student who you know, is sitting in the dorm room and just, just too afraid to admit to anybody that, man, I miss my mom, I miss my dad, I miss my family at home. You know, we want to paint this picture of just this life that, that uh, is perfect. There's only one road to that life where everything is pure. There's only one road to that life that's offered for all of eternity. And instead, make sure that your name is on the list, that it's written in the Lamb's book of life. It's simply to say yes to him as Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that yet, uh, man, don't leave today without talking to somebody about, you know, how do I do that? How do I say yes to Jesus? Come find me. I'll, I'll be hanging out. We can talk about that. Talk to somebody you've seen on stage, somebody that's invited you to worship here. Make that choice today. Ensure that your name is on the list to enjoy that life forever and ever and ever, beginning, by the way, right now. Let's stand and worship him.